Good day to you, and welcome to Fascinating. I am your host, Rick, from Planet Vulcan. My ongoing mission on planet Earth, to search for signs of intelligence and to encourage its spread. My little female earthling pal and I have returned from our warm winter haven in the Caribbean to our home in the Smoky Mountains, where spring is beginning to burst forth in a most magnificent fashion. Before we look ahead to the coming season, I would like to do some bragging about senior contributing editor Prego Donata's essay on blame, published in November 2021. This essay focused on the 2008 financial crisis. The blame title represents the general response to the crisis, where most everyone agreed that the root cause of the crisis was greedy bankers. The bankers were duly blamed, as if that solved the underlying problem, which is, in truth, incompetent regulation. Then, in the spirit of don't let a good crisis go to waste, the scope and stringency of regulations aimed at controlling banker behavior were increased to the point of hampering legitimate banking functions. Here is a quote from Prego's essay. I believe that regulators getting tough has been and will continue to be both damaging and ineffective, and it's only a matter of time before bankers abruptly and inexplicably become greedy again. Well, it just happened. The banking system is in trouble again, and again the source can be traced to managers who were too nonchalant in the face of risk. They believed correctly that they would be bailed out of any messes they created. Prominent earthling economist and polemicist Paul Krugman is on record as saying, referring to bailouts, that that's just what governments do. He evidently believes that foolish and misguided government policy is some sort of bedrock reality that we just have to live with, which means the only remaining policy response is to keep the perverse incentives in place and regulate the behavior of market participants even more stringently. What could go wrong? Prego displayed prescience again when he predicted in several essays the inevitable failure of China's zero-COVID policies and explained why they would fail. See, for example, the episode on the challenge of a warming climate published in April 2022, where the focus was on the superiority of a strategy of meeting challenges with a trade-off approach rather than a tunnel-visioned problem-solving approach. It is worth noting that Prego made another significant prediction in the episode on climate change. His message was that the current attempts to meet the undeniable challenges of Earth's warming climate are destined to produce suboptimal results, if not abject failure, for the same reason China's efforts to deal with the challenge of COVID failed. Witness current attempts by social engineers to wrestle their economies away from the use of petroleum by means of mandates. The mandate approach is unlikely to be effective and it will certainly not be efficient. I agree with Prego that Earth's only hope of adapting to climate change is to understand pollution as an externality and to internalize the social costs of air pollution so that 
effective and efficient action will take place in a decentralized manner using policies like tradable pollution rights or a carbon tax to incentivize behavior. Using a just-say-no approach to petroleum use will result in the same failures as the just-say-no approach did with teenage drug use and sex. During our winter hiatus, our contributing editors have been exploring new ideas, doing research, and working on new essays. I will present a partial preview of what's in the works in a few minutes, but first I want to reiterate exactly what it is we Vulcans are trying to accomplish on your planet. The major theme of this podcast has been and continues to be the advocacy of a way of thinking based on natural evolution. As this new way of thinking continues to eat away at the obsolete way of thinking based on intelligent design. Evolution is a relatively new idea on your planet, and many of you have only a passing familiarity with what it entails. And many of you are fiercely resisting its spread for a variety of reasons. It's not surprising that followers of theistic religions are resisting evolutionary thinking in that it undermines the creation myths that are at the heart of these religions and challenges the belief that their deities, on whom the followers rely for promises of an eternal life in paradise, even exist. More difficult to understand is the resistance to evolutionary thinking exhibited by those who consider themselves non-theists and intellectuals. These non-theist intellectuals who are fighting the spread of evolutionary thinking appear to be doing so for one of two broad reasons. They have only a shallow understanding of evolutionary thinking and are unimpressed by the potency of the lessons we can learn from nature. Or they have a vested interest in maintaining the myths of intelligent design. These two themes meet up at the point where evolutionary thinking leads to the idea of emergent, spontaneous order. Intelligent design thinking says that order in a social system exists only when it is imposed by leaders employing authoritarian means. Without the imposition of order, all would be chaos, according to this kind of thinking. Evolutionary thinking says that order in any social system spontaneously emerges at the macro level based on behavior at the micro level. Whether we are talking about insect colonies, fish schools, bird flocks, or groups of social mammals, including humans. Order also emerges in non-living natural systems, such as sand dune formation, riverbed formation, cloud formation, snowflake formation, etc., again based on phenomena at the micro level and without anyone or anything directing the show. Episodes 2 and 3 of Season 1 go into the discussion of emergent order in some detail, illustrating that groupings of individual organisms constitute superorganisms with a life of their own. An important and widely applicable insight is that neither one individual nor coalitions of individuals within the superorganism can possibly control or even foresee the behavior of the superorganism. 
The only things subject to your control are your own actions, which conceivably can influence the behavior of the superorganism, but cannot control it. Even some of your otherwise intelligent thinkers, who are at least aware of the concept of emergence, are nonetheless unimpressed by the concept of emergent order. They seem not to understand how pervasive emergent order is, and assume that the order they observe in the world can only be the result of directed collective action. Think, for example, of Paul Krugman, one of whose books was previously reviewed in these podcasts. Professor Krugman is a brilliant economist who is aware of emergent order, but claims to see no practical applications. Tim Urban, who produces the Wait What Why blog, one of your best explainers and systematizers of some important evolutionary concepts. And Sam Harris, a deep and brilliant thinker who has been producing podcast interviews with a variety of prominent thinkers for many years now. These people all honestly believe that it's possible to intervene in evolved and evolving order like a deus ex machina, swoop in and change some feature of the evolved order, such as the distribution of income, without any feedback effects on the production of income. Some of these so-called intellectuals even go so far as to assert that societal evolution can be halted in its tracks and the evolved order replaced in its entirety with an intelligently designed order, maintained by leadership and authoritarian regulation. Fascinating. It might well be that we Vulcans are just going to have to be patient and get used to the idea that Earthlings are going to have to learn further lessons from continued sad experience of the fact that good intentions do not guarantee good results and that a socioeconomic system is far too complex to be amenable to the types of interventions these well-meaning people propose. Nature does not care about intentions, and instead sculpts your institutions and societies based on the actions you take. This phenomenon has to gradually become ever more evident as time goes on, even to the most willfully blind among you. Not even we can predict how much more time it will take, but we do hope to contribute to the transition by encouraging the spread of evolutionary thinking on your planet. So we're thinking that the best way to get things to go right is to let them go wrong. This at least opens the possibility of learning from the mistakes. And of course, the spread and application of evolutionary thinking is further slowed by those among you who are achieving high status and making a decent living by advocating intelligent design thinking, by creating government agencies with massive authority and huge budgets, and by populating institutions of government and institutions of learning where they can keep the scam going by simply ignoring the lessons of nature and conducting campaigns, moral blackmail, and moral intimidation aimed at anyone who speaks out against their tyranny. And, it's worth mentioning, even many earthlings who populate the ranks of business corporations likewise approach their work with the belief that the key to good performance lies in the energetic exercise of authority. 
by replacing the energy flows that already exist within the organization with the leader's energy, rather than by managing the energy flows that employees bring to the table. One of these business leaders has recently been quoted as saying, when asked what cooperation entails, cooperation means a whole lot of people doing what I say. I believe, even if many of my Vulcan friends and associates are skeptical, that many earthlings are already beginning to internalize many of nature's lessons, and that collectively you are off to a promising start as a planetary civilization. To continue the progress towards what most people would consider to be a better life, earthlings must adopt a stance of greater humility in the face of nature. You must stop trying to step into the shoes of the omniscient and omnipotent gods you have created but no longer believe in, and thereby try to command reality. Reality just laughs at you when you try to command it. Reality will demonstrate to you that not only does it guide with an invisible hand, it also trips with an invisible foot. If I may employ some vernacular language currently in common use on your planet, don't fuck it up. Coming up in Season 3, we will lead off with an essay by senior contributing editor Prego Donata, in which he responds to Sam Harris's book, The Moral Landscape, a treatise which is firmly grounded in the intelligent design camp. Also in the works is an essay by Prego about the novels and essays of Ayn Rand. Prego believes that it's high time for a balanced appraisal of this fascinating earthling's work, eliminating both the mindless admiration and the mindless condemnation that her ideas typically inspire on your planet. Her work has value for several reasons. She was a pioneer in evolutionary thinking as it applies to the phenomenon we call the economy, and her thinking can help you to develop an immunity to the moral blackmail that is instrumental in creating the feelings of anxiety and guilt that so many of you needlessly torture yourselves with, to the point of making your day-to-day existence miserable. I myself am preparing an essay on Harvard professor Michael Sandel, whose advocacy of totalitarian solutions to social problems is widely admired on planet Earth. Many of my Vulcan friends and associates throw up their hands in despair when they see an earthling going to the links this man is prepared to go in the name of intelligent design, and then see him met mostly with respectful attention, honors, and awards from other earthlings. I myself am going to hang in there with planet Earth a little while longer and hope that more and more Earthlings will come to realize that this type of thinking can only usher you into yet another dead end. Contributing editor Bojalasta Obregado is hard at work on an essay on the phenomenon of consciousness and the related concept of free will. The phenomenon of consciousness has occupied countless earthling philosophers and mystics for several millennia, and some very interesting ideas have been produced. But you will search in vain for a treatment of consciousness that ponders the mystery from a beginning point that asks, what was the natural impetus 
for the evolution of consciousness. Looking at the mystery from this beginning point at least grounds the study in the natural world and obviates the need for the mysticism that predominates in this field. I am not trying to say, of course, that approaching consciousness from a mystical standpoint has no value. There are traditions of discipline that have been developed over many centuries which one can profit from by following, even if the ultimate explanations these disciplines offer is fantasy. And fantasy can be fun, as long as you do not confuse it with reality. Many humans seem to find a path to solace and a way to accept their individual mortality through contemplation. Who can knock that? We do not want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. Contributing editor Slantia Nazdrovia is working on an essay on framing, the practice of trying to set the parameters of a discussion in the manner of building a track for a train to run on a practice which more often than not serves to make a serious discussion of an issue nearly impossible without first tearing up the tracks. Politicians, in particular, are fond of framing discussions in such a way as to misdirect attention, obscure the issues, and build support for their money and power grabs. Aslantia is busy collecting examples which are not hard to find. We will also be drawing your attention to the works of several earthling thinkers who are making valuable contributions to human dialogues. Paul Seabright, who has written a book called The Company of Strangers. Daniel Kahneman, with his Thinking Fast and Slow and other works. Peter Axelrod, who has written extensively about the evolution of cooperation. Deep and important insights of physicist Richard Feynman and Ludwig von Mises, who wrote Human Action, one of the first treatises on economics to apply evolutionary thinking to the subject, and who served as mentor to the brilliant Friedrich Hayek. There are essays on more topics in the works, and we will present them to you as they come to fruition. If any of you listeners have a topic to suggest, we are eager to hear from you. I invite you to have a listen to the next installment of Fascinating. Please provide feedback to these podcasts if you are so inclined. You may contact me by sending an email to Senior Contributing Editor Prego Denata. Prego Denata at gmail.com Theme music, Coming Back to Life, with thanks to Pink Floyd. Live long and prosper. Savor your experiences and treasure your memories. Yes.